This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 229 with Chris Reed. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. And in today's show, we're going to look at how to grow your web traffic and presence with SEO, also known as search engine optimization. My guest in this episode is the coolest guy in SEO, Chris Reed from Ardor SEO. Before founding Ardor SEO, Chris started as a software engineer working in London's finance sector. He quit his job and decided to go backpacking around Europe and Asia. After heading to Australia, he created an online game. As his game was near completion, he decided to learn how Google works and about search engine optimization in order to market his game. Chris quickly mastered SEO and learned the importance of backlinks and set out to build high-quality backlinks complete with quality content on specific websites. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja to 44222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. I've also created a Cashflow Ninja investment group where I share opportunities that I'm investing in with my fellow investors. If you're interested in joining this group, please email me at info at cashflowninja.com and we will continue the conversation to see if you're a good fit for our group. I've always thought that if there are only a handful of people that have built indestructible wealth in any economy and market, why are we following the advice and doing what the majority of people are doing that are struggling financially? My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy, but you need to pick one. At the Real Asset Invest, Dave and his company create value for investors looking for high yield returns from real estate ventures domestically and internationally. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the real asset investor offers, such as the syndication opportunity at the Mahogany Bay Village in Belize, investment opportunities in the multifamily space in the United States, and ATM syndication opportunities, visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Are you interested in real estate investing but don't know where to start? Join Ops Properties as the premier provider of turnkey lease option investment properties. With their proven system, you can have cash flow within 30 days. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Chris, welcome to the show. Awesome to be here, man. Hey, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, certainly. So my name is Chris Reed, and uh, I'm originally from Brisbane, Australia. I I studied software engineering and then uh, went to work in the financial markets in London for a bunch of years, selling my soul to the devil. Uh, but, you know, that comes at a pretty good price tag, thankfully, because 
come 2008 when the global financial crisis came around, I lost my job like everyone else that was working on the project that I was on. But uh, thankfully, I you know had a big sack of gold, so I kind of travelled the world for about two years uh, trying to work out what the hell I wanted to do with my life. And in the in the interim there, I built an online game, you know, just as I was a programmer and I wanted to learn some web programming, so I did it really out of fun. And uh, then as the game was coming to fruition, I was like, well, how the heck do you get people to a website to play the game? And so I, you know, started learning about digital marketing and then, you know, fell in love with it. And, yeah, a bunch of years later, here I am. Fantastic. Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in your background. You've lived in about nine countries, uh, as we spoke about previously, uh, and traveled quite a significant bit. What were some of the th- the amazing things that you learned on this journey of self discovery? What were some of the adventures uh, and aha moments uh, that changed uh, the way that you view the world? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I'm from country Australia, which is pretty isolated. You know, there's really only Australians there. You don't get to meet too many foreigners. And uh, so actually when I just my first job in Brisbane as a software developer, I was working with this guy from London and he just kept talking about how awesome London was. I was like, wow, that's, it's like I've never heard of the place. I thought, man, this is awesome. I've got to get over and have a look. And, you know, being able to experience living in Europe, you know, I later lived in uh, Ireland and Belgium and uh, Latvia and Russia as well in Europe, which you know, was great to experience different cultures and I even learned to speak Russian. So learning another language is you know, a fabulous way to, way to live. Absolutely. And helps you understand a lot of different things culturally and, and so forth as well. You're in Cambodia right now. Uh, how's the, how, how do you like living it out there? Yeah, for sure. It's certainly my country of choice. So, well, that's why I live here. Uh, I, yeah, when I was building my, my business, I wanted to, well, I knew that I had a lot of Filipino online staff because the Philippines are an excellent place. Like for, it's got to be the best English for a non-native English speaking country. And, you know, they've got good education so you can get really good workers at a, well, a competitive price. And so, yeah, I moved to the Philippines and set up the office there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the – I mean, the country is lovely. The beaches are fantastic. But uh, I, I'd already been to Cambodia and pre- preferred it here, so I ended up moving back here. And, and yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. How many years have you been there? So I've been in Southeast Asia five years now. So two in the Philippines and the other three here. Fantastic. Yeah, so it looks like you, you uh, traveled quite, quite a bit, and that's one of the things that this business and type of business that you have does allow is location independence, and we've talked about, about it on this show uh, quite a bit, which is just fantastic not to be tied down to a geographic area, and especially in the business climate today where you can basically do business uh, with anyone around the world, uh, definitely the way to go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some people still have a a, you know, a struggle getting that mindset. Like, a, a speaking with a potential client the other other day or a couple of weeks back, and you know, he was flabbergasted to hear that you know I'm in Asia. He's like, "Oh no, we only work with local businesses." You're like, "We're talking about digital marketing. Like, anyone in the world can search and find you and buy your stuff. Why would you want to? You know, why does it matter where anyone you know works?" Everyone's a local business right now, basically. If you can plug on or plug into the internet, uh, you're a local business. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like uh, we, we had another customer here. We, we used to have a salesman here in Cambodia. He wasn't much of a salesman, but uh, he did uh, bring one of our only Cambodian uh, customers on board. And so after he left, uh, this customer had me as a point of contact and he pretty much summons me to his office. I was like, yeah, okay, I don't usually go on client calls because most of our customers are in the US, Australia, UK. And so I went over to see him and it's like he was just amazed that people work remotely. I'm like, you've heard of Skype, right? Like why the hell do we need to like come face to face? Sure, it's good if you have the opportunity to, but you know, this guy turned out to be a total asshole and that was the last time that we ever met. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I've definitely found it as well. I mean, uh, I have a virtual company as well and uh, uh, work with folks all over the United States and uh, in different ventures all around the world. And it's uh, it's amazing what you can do today. And I'm excited to dive into uh, just uh, of w- some ways how to make yourself more visible, easily, more easily to find, uh, and get yourself up there in uh, the rankings of, cert- of certain platforms. Let's talk about SEM versus SEO, two big uh, mm-hmm. uh, differences right there. Uh, can you explain a little bit uh, more about the difference just for my listeners? Certainly. So SEM generally refers to as AdWords, so the paid ads that you see on Google, and SEO is refers to the organic stuff. So SEM is great because you, you pay money and you're there instantly, which is you know, fabulous. And that's where Google makes all their money. So they don't make any money from SEO. So they try and give you really good tools to you know, make sure that you make money from it. Because if, you, if you're not making a profit, then you're going to stop advertising and they don't make any money. But uh, it can get really expensive. I mean, we, were, we work with a lot of lawyers in the US and some of those keywords, you're looking at over $200 per click. So every time someone clicks on your search result, you pay $200. But, you know, if, if, it, if you're converting at 1 in 10 or 1 in 20, so 5 or 10%, you know, so it'll cost you two to $4,000 for a customer if you your customer's $20,000, then it makes sense. But uh, not every business is able to do that. But not every keyword's that expensive too. So like a, a plumber in Sydney might be like, you know, 5 to $10. And so generally the, the less valuable a customer, the less competitive the keywords. So, you know, if, if it makes sense for your business, go, go for it. I mean, a brand new customer that we were starting this week, you know, his average customer is 25 to $30 and, you know, he sells uh, info products. And we were looking at AdWords and some of the clicks for those keywords were like $40. And so it's like you're not going to pay $40 for a $25 customer. Just, right. you know, it doesn't make any sense. So organic then is also competitive because everyone knows what keywords are more valuable. So if a, if a lawyer keywords $200 per click, well, the organic's just as valuable, in fact, more valuable because it gets the majority of the traffic. Actually, only about 2% of people click on ads on Google. So every search result, if an ad's there, only 2% of people are clicking on it. The other 98% go to the organic. And even that's really not uh, evenly distributed. Like the difference between uh, position two and position one it jumps from 14% in position two up to 31% position one. So you're over double the amount of clicks you get just by moving that one spot. 
But uh, the main difference with SEM and SEO is the compounding effect. So if you're a brand new website that has nothing, uh, it's going to take longer to get an SEO campaign going than an SEM where you can just turn on it's instant. But say you're spending $1,000 a month and that's bringing you 100 visitors, well, you need to spend that $1,000 every month to get that 100 visitors and it'll never increase. It'll only decrease because as every industry gets more competitive, you're going to have to spend more and more money to, you know, as to keep up with your competition. Where SEO is compounding. So if you spend $1,000 the first month, then it might bring you 10 visitors. And then the next month you spend that same $1,000, it brings you 50. And the next month, 100. And the next month, 200. And the next month, 400. And it just keeps compounding and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So if, if your SEM campaign is optimized and generates you money, certainly never turn it off. I mean, why would you? If you're putting in a dollar and it's bringing you $10 back, go for it. But uh, SEO is a better long-term game and, yeah, it's a, it's a better way to build your brand. And that's why you definitely shouldn't ignore the blog page of your website, right? Uh, what um, advice can you give to folks to uh, writing articles? Because you've mentioned now that there's certain keywords in there. Um, and how do you utilize those keywords uh, with inside a blog to get more exposure? Yeah, so depending on uh, what industry you are and who your competitors are, you really the first thing you need to do is work out what keywords you want to target. Uh, if you if you're targeting a geographical area, like a lot of our customers are you know, lawyers or plumbers or accountants, and so they're servicing a, a city, and so one th- one thing you can do without reinventing the world the wheel is look for a non-direct competitor. So you know another lawyer on the other side of the country. You know look look for a website that's doing it really well and see how they've laid out their site. And so, you know and that's an easy way to get a whole bunch of of keywords without you know, have to do all the hard work yourself. But another way you can do it is uh, using uh, AdWords Keyword Generator, which is, you know, Google's uh, tool. So you can just type in, a, you know, buy ski shoes as ski boots, and it'll generate a whole bunch of other keywords, and you can select which ones that you want. The one uh, misconception is, like, pumping out content. The, the more content you have, the, the least you can rank uh, potentially it depends on how much domain authority you have. So like the Huffington Post, right? They pump out content all day long, but people link to it and like it. And Google sees that and goes, Oh yeah, cool. People like this stuff where if you know, you hear the crazy man on the, on the street corner, who's just yelling out content, he's pumping out stuff all, all day long, but no one's listening to it and no one's caring about it. And so that's the same thing. Google go, why, why should I index this? So imagine if your uh, website has like 100 points of domain authority. Domain authority comes from who's linking to you. Like, because if you and I both write a, a website and say, you know, we have the best ski boots in town, how does Google know which one has the best ski boots? Well, it goes on who's talking about you and who's linking to you. And not everyone has the same authority. It's also like, you know, we've all been in a taxi cab and you have the driver trying to give you some financial advice. You know, you take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, if you've got an investment banker friend that, you know, he might be the devil, but if he gives you some stock advice, well, you're going to listen up. And it's the same with Google. The more the more authority that link has, the more authority that post has, the more credible it is, and the 
more weight they'll put behind it. So once you've once you've got a domain with authority, say you've got a hundred points, that then gets pushed down through your website. So so the majority will go, go to your homepage because that's generally where the majority of the links are. But then it'll go to your silo pages, uh, which would be your top category pages, and then trickles down to your other pages. And so if you've, if you've got a, a small domain authority and you keep pumping out content, well, it trickles down to very little uh, authority to each of those pages, and they're just not going to rank, you know, especially in a competitive uh, industry. So a good rule of thumb to have is the old 80-20 rule, spend 20% of your time making content and 80% of your time getting that content, that message out there. That's very, very sound advice. Now, as far as keywords, what's kind of the magic number? Because you don't want to target too many keywords or am I a little off base by suggesting that? Yeah, I wouldn't uh, go crazy worrying about that. I mean, you know, as long as you've got all your products and services listed on your website, you know, with good product descriptions or good service descriptions, then that's kind of fine. You know, one thing to keep in mind is not every, you know, every business is there to solve a problem. And often people don't, don't know uh, what the solution is. So they're not like they'd be searching for the problem, not the solution. So, you know, they might have a headache and they're searching, you know, how to cure a headache. They don't know you can take paracetamol. You know, so they're not searching where to buy paracetamol. So they're the kind of keywords that you might want to think about, you know, what, what are our customers searching for to find us? But generally it's not, not too difficult. The one thing to always think about is write your content for a user. You don't write it keyword stuffing in a thousand different keywords because at the end of the day, no one cares about search engine rankings. You know, no one cares about traffic. They care about more customers. And so you need to make sure that your content appeals to who you're writing it for and that they're going to take notice and take action, whatever that is, you know, to buy or join your email list or give you a call. So, yeah, focus on quality content that your users are going to want to digest. Absolutely. So true uh, with, uh, in everything in business, right? If, if you don't buy a drill to buy a drill, you buy it to, to make a hole. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah let's, for sure. So let's focus on that hole and how we wide we want that hole to be or how big we want that hole to be and then plan accordingly and develop and devise a strategy according to that. Uh, Chris, how does a Google page ranking works? Because that's also another thing I think listeners might have seen at the top. That's kind of the paid advertisements and the paid uh, search AdWords, the SEM. Uh, Can you share a little bit more uh, about that ranking page? And is that really important? So that's... That's originally how Larry Page, which happens to have the same name, is <laughs> so back in the 90s, you might recall for you older folk, uh, that there was a host of different web uh, search engines like Yahoo, Excite, AltaVista, a whole bunch of them. And so Larry, Larry Page was sitting there at the university and thought, this is terrible. All of these search engines just provide terrible results. And it's because they were based on text. So the more times that you wrote, you know, buy ski boots on your website, the better you'd rank. And so you could key, keyword stuff your website full of whatever you wanted and you'd rank. And so that provides a terrible user experience, you know, and no one's getting to find anything they want. And so Larry ascertained that, you know, the lecturers that write the best uh, theses 
and then everyone's linking or referencing their thesis, they're the really a credible authority on that niche. So he thought, well, it must be the same with uh, websites, right? Whoever's linking to your website, then uh, then the more links you have, the more authority you have. So it's it, that that was the basis of PageRank. Uh, they used to show a a public PageRank. Google did, uh, but their their in-house one was a lot more finely tuned. But they stopped showing that several years ago because they wanted people to kind of get away from that idea, I believe. But it, it's, it gets pretty complicated, but it's down to the more niche relevant, the more location relevant, and the stronger that they are. It's like uh, it's like CNN is going to have a stronger authority than your local newspaper. But then your local newspaper, depending on the search term, because they know your local area more, then Google can give them more weighting on those kind of keywords. Does that make sense? You're listening to Chris Reed on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Chris Reed on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. So we have a, a lot of investors, we have entrepreneurs, we have business owners on uh, listen, uh, listening to the show. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how they could utilize SEO and kind of give them a digital marketing primer for their business. And maybe you can share some ideas too of how to uh, develop a content plan uh, overall for their business um, or their investment company. Yeah, sure. So my advice and serious advice for digital marketing is that you should stay focused on what your business does and hire a professional. Uh, like it's like when you get sick, you don't go to med school, you go to the doctor, but it's really important that you understand enough about what he's telling you that you, that it works well with you. And that's the same with digital marketing. Yeah. You know, like at the start of every month I meet with my accountant, I absolutely hate it. It's the worst day of the month. I just want to see the report and go, you know, are we, are we making money? Are we doing okay? And yeah, great. You know, I, I understand it's important to be able to read a PL, but there's no way in hell I'm going to be doing it myself. And that's the same with digital marketing. You should work with someone that you like working with that, under, that takes the time to understand, you know, your business and what your goals are. One thing that really irks me about the industry is that lots of companies, there's shady ones for sure, but they have set packages, right? They'll have like, a, they'll call them fancy names. So they'll have basically a small, medium and large. And the reason they do this is because people don't often always buy the best product. They buy the one that's most easily understood. You know, that's why like Apple's always done so well with its marketing because they have a really tight message, really short message about what we do. And so people really relate with that brand and go, yeah, I'm getting it even though an iPhone might be the most affordable or arguably the best phone, 
you know, people will buy it and stick with that brand because they understand what it represents. And so SEO companies will do that with packages as well because SEO is complicated and digital mar- building a digital marketing strategy is tough and it's hard to relate that to someone who, you know, is focused building their business. They don't want to, like, spend all the time to understand all this stuff. So they go, oh, cool, there's a small, medium, large. Yeah, I'll take the medium. Cool, job done. Where what you really need to have, because every business, you know, is starting a different position. They, you know, their website could be new. It could be 10 years old. You know, who's their competition? You know, it's just re- ludicrous to think that there's a package that fits you, you know. What are your goals? That, that's what needs to be taken into consideration. Where are you now and where do you want to be? And, you know, how much money you got to spend on that? As, yeah, another question that I often get asked is, you know, how much, how much is SEO? And you go, well, look at hotels.com. They spend tens of millions of dollars a year on SEO. And if you Google hotel and any city name, they're in the top 10. You go, like, what is that worth? Like, I'm sure they're getting a fabulous return on it, you know? So the, the idea of SEO is not to limit how much you spend. I mean, if, if, you, if you were getting, for every dollar you spend, a $50 return or a $100 return, well, how many dollars would you want to spend? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what, it comes, that's what it comes down to in all parts of your business, uh, if you're looking to outsource it, is there's a return on investment for every advisor and every team member uh, and every outside service that you're bringing into your business. Um, SEO falls underneath this as well in digital marketing, as you just mentioned. And just as you mentioned, like outsourcing. So uh, we used to have an accountant uh, internally and... <laughs> She, she wasn't, I don't like to, you know, deflame people, but she's not with us for any reason. And um, so then I was on the hunt for a new accountant. I thought, well, I, I was struggling to find one around here. And uh, so I looked online and I ended up hiring uh, this American woman in Florida, which I thought was, she was really good. And we, you know, had a nice little chat to start with and she just went weird. And, you know, she'd, our books had been a bit behind and so she did have a, a quite a bit of backtrack to like put all this data in and she she was and then we ended up having a dispute over the she wanted me to pay more money i'm like you haven't provided me with a PL yet until you provide what we originally agreed there's no way i'm paying a dime more and we had a big falling out and i started back back from, i ended up doing a chargeback with the credit card company so i didn't even pay anything and then had to start start from scratch and then again, I was having trouble finding a, uh, an accountant and someone on a Facebook group recommended this company called Bean Ninja. And you know, when I spoke to their sales guy, you know, he explained everything really simply, you know, explained the benefits of having a company that is a company, not a freelancer. Because like, well, you know, if that accountant gets hit by a bus, well, you know, they've got continuity. So someone else can pick it up and keep going. If that accountant runs into trouble, they can ask someone else for help. It's like hiring a single person. You really do leave yourself stuck with that one person, which doesn't have the skills. Absolutely. By the way, I like that name, Bee Ninja. Yeah, and 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 from what I've I've only just started working with them, but I, they are fantastic so far. Highly recommend them. Now, what are some of the things that um, listeners uh, can look for when they're looking to hire a digital 
uh, marketing agency, what would some of the top things be that they should definitely uh, put on their due diligence checklist? Yeah, I'd probably ask to speak to one of one or two of their customers, ideally in a re- related niche, to see how that's going. Uh, yeah, I mean, checking with a customer is probably the best thing you can do. I mean, I, I really like LinkedIn. It's a nice way to – it's a the most boring social network in the world, but it's a good way to see uh, real references. So, you know, you can give people testimonials on there, and you can see that they're real people. It's a lot – a better way to check that than like you know Facebook reviews or Google Maps reviews. So that's a good way. But the next thing I'd really look at is that you gel with them. It's important that you like their attitude and uh, and really that they take the time to understand what you want to do. You know, and do they make a strategy that fits your goals? And then you know, do you think they can achieve it? From your company's perspective, what does uh, w- what do some of the companies look like that you guys work with? What companies have been a good fit for you guys, and have you seen uh, some significant uh, success uh, uh, by providing the service uh, for them? Is there a certain type of company? Is there a certain age, for instance? You had mentioned uh, new websites, older websites. Uh, what are some of the uh, yeah, what are some of the, the success uh, stories that you have with clients that you guys currently have on board? Yeah, so as I kind of mentioned at the start, how uh, I became obsessed with backlinks, and that's really how we started as a backlink company. Uh, I, you know, being a software guy, I built some software about how to manage backlinks. And then I thought, well, who needs backlinks the most? I was like, SEO companies. Because, <laughs> you know, like a retail customer might have one website where an SEO company might have 100 websites. And so we, uh, it was a really great way to grow our business exponentially because it's like, you know, you bring on one customer, he brings on 100 sites. It's great. And uh, so then we, so the vast majority of our customers were SEO companies. And uh, then we started like measuring their results. And some you'd add links to and they'd get great results. Some they'd add links to and they wouldn't. And so we'd go and look at those and go, well, why aren't they ranking? And generally, their on-page, you know, links are only half the story. The on-page has to be good too. And so then we'd start providing audits for them and then, you know, content reviews and then, you know, content structures and content plans. And then I was like, man, we're, like, just doing all the work and uh, they've got a huge markup. So then we started, you know, building our own brand and, you know, uh, getting our own retail customers, which is really what we're focused on now, which is, you know, a lot of fun too because you you get to work with the real business owner and show them a success. But the the types of people that we work with, it's just mind boggling. There's so many that you wouldn't believe where you can make money on the internet. Like uh, two of our most recent customers, uh, one, she sells nail polish and you know, you, you just wouldn't know how much money's in nail polish. I mean, I don't know a lot about nail polish, but just this one type holographic, it's like a huge now I know about it because I've had to do the keyword research. You know, it's it's just mind-bending. Uh, and she's a old, older older lady, which but you know a good entrepreneur. Uh, another guy who's super young, he's like 21 or 22, uh, who does sewer cleaning at some, somewhere in the East Coast, Philadelphia maybe. You know, so it's like we range the range of customers. So, you know, that right there, one's a service provider to a geographical area. One sells 
online e-commerce. So you name it, we got it. No, that's awesome, and it keeps it very, very interesting and, and pro- professionally fulfilling as well. Uh, I want to touch on something that you've mentioned uh, about backlinks because I didn't touch on that. Uh, full disclosure, I have no idea what it is and how it works, <laughs> and oh. I'm sure there's, there's some of my listeners out there that might feel the same way that I do. Can you just give us a little bit of a primer of what a backlink is, uh, why they are so important, uh, and how do you build some of these backlinks? My bad. I uh, sorry. I you know I do this stuff all day long, so I forget sometimes that people don't know. So a backlink is just the hyperlinks that you click on from one website to another. You know, anytime you see a little blue line that you click on and you're at another website, that's a backlink. You know, and that's basically that website giving your website a vote and saying, yeah, he's cool. And you know, it has two purposes. It sends traffic to there, like you know. If, there's a, a great article somewhere and you, you know, click here for more information or whatever the heck you click there and it sends traffic directly to that website. But it's also a, you know, even after that page, they say it was a brand new news story, you know, three years later when that's a dead topic, that's, you still see that link exists. So Google still does and it still builds credibility and authority to your brand. And so that, that's the secret behind Google's algorithm and the reason they're so important is because it's time-consuming to make. Like uh, one of the reasons I do podcasts is, well, I like talking about what I do, but it builds our reputation. It'll, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to give us a juicy backlink. And, you know, building a brand takes time. You know, I have to speak for an hour to, to get a backlink, you know, and uh, – that's why they're they're valuable because it takes time to do it. You can't fake it. You know, you can, you can fake putting, you know, I'm the best egg seller all over your website, but you know, Google's not going to buy it unless other people are talking about you and linking to you. Then they'll go, okay, he's great. And it takes a long time. Like Warren Buffett says, you know, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but only minutes to destroy it. And so that's the exact same principle with Google. Very, very true. And it's the same with your content plan as well. And what I like about uh, you just sharing your strategy around podcasts as well, it's so important to have that in place and be diligent with it and stick to it. And yes, it does take a long time commitment. Um, but to your point, this is where you build it, build it up. You build up uh, a reputation. You get your message out there. Um, because again, to your point, you could be the best at whatever it is that you're doing, but if nobody can find you and nobody knows about you in today's environment, you truly don't exist and your business won't exist for much longer. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, like every business is there to provide a service, to fix some problem basically. And so go out there and talk to the people that, you know, no business works in isolation. Okay. Go and talk to the people that, you know, work, work with your business. Like, you know, if you're an accountant, People need to know about accounting, right? Like, you know, I know the basics, but I could probably learn some more. And you can provide information in, you know, even in your local newspaper or local community groups, you know, do something for them. Like, uh, you know, one, one great example is, is people that are really niche specific. I hang out in the digital marketing world, but where they like help like yoga teachers learn about how to build a website, how to post content on Instagram, how to you know, schedule your classes. It's like a yoga teacher knows great about yoga but doesn't know about how to run a business. So, you know, and it, 
business coaches, accountants, you know, anyone that is business-minded that provides that kind of service can teach them and help them. And, you know, there's a huge market, and that's just yoga. You know, every, everything else under the sun too. Those people need help from service providers to, you know, help them build their business. And, you know, the great saying is like help pe- show people you can help by helping them, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Chris, one uh, habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying right now, and what skill sets are you learning? Yeah, so uh, communication is a super big one. Uh, being a software engineer, kind of the geeks of the world, and so I, I didn't do a lot of communication. Uh, I just recently was in Philadelphia for a course called Heroic Public Speaking, which was absolutely fantastic. I'd highly recommend it to anyone that wants to get better at presenting themselves and communicating. I'm uh, hopefully going to go to their grad school next year. So, yeah, I'm uh, spending a lot of time learning how to write better and communicate better because, yeah, that's certainly the way I see to grow my business. Chris, now a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, there's a book that I absolutely love by Ryan Holiday called uh, the, the Daily Stoic. And just today's... Uh, Quote, it's got stoic quotes from all the greats like Marcus Aurelius, Epistidius, and uh, Seneca. And um, just today's, I'm going to butcher it, but it was basically that, you know, uh, all of your time should be spent on being a good person and then providing service. They're your two duties, you know, and anything else is a waste of energy. And it's so true. Like, you know, once you've got food in your belly and a decent place to live. You know, if you double your income, you're not going to double your happiness. So it's, it's much more fulfilling to be in service to others. And I really like to be in service to those that serve others, which is why it's really re- rewarding working with business owners that are passionate about what they do, you know, because you get to help them help people and you get to see their eyes light up when they, you know, get to help more people because you've helped them expand their business. So that would be my advice is to focus on helping people. Fantastic. And I'll put links to that as well. I just actually pulled it up while you, you mentioned that from the daily stoic. That's pretty cool. So I'll put links in that, uh, in our show notes as well. Chris, how can my listeners learn more about you and the, your company, the services that you provide and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Yeah. Well, they can, they can learn a bit about reputation engineering by going to Google and typing in the coolest guy in SEO and they'll see plenty of my pretty face there. Uh, but as a special guest, a special thank you for having me on the show. If they go to our website, ardorseo, that's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com slash podcast, there'll be a special little treat there for them. Perfect. And thank you so much for sharing that. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. This has been a boss connecting. Right, cheers, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining my guest, Chris Reed, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today.
If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life. So if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good Newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. Smart investors know that the banks actually don't own most automatic teller machines. In fact, the opportunity for private investment provides stellar passive returns, figures in the double digits, with the added bonus that most of the income is tax-free. Who wants to walk blindly past an ATM and not cash in on that opportunity? ATM machine ownership brings you a steady stream of hands-off passive income. Dave Zook and the Real Asset Investor team have been providing opportunities for investors in this uptrend activity of ATM use. If you are an accredited investor and would like more information on how you can invest in this exclusive asset class that very few investors will ever have access to, you can sign up for your free webinar on how to create income streams from ATMs at cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to create passive income and become financially free. In just over three years, they've created a lease option empire with over 170 properties. They can show you how to do the same. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. You can also check them out on YouTube. Just search joinups properties or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.